Every business comes to life through its service experience. Your business success depends on whether your customers are loyal to you. That's where real value and profit is created. Great companies ubiquitously have great customer experiences. A thin red line divides those that invest and consistently deliver what their customers need and those that fail and get disrupted. In competitive and challenging times, leaders need to double down on their customer experience. Learn and grow the value you create. Grow your success. Be on the right side of that thin red line. This is the CX Guru with your host, Eric McCroskey, a globally recognized ops and customer experience guru, public speaker, and author. Your business success story begins now. And welcome to the CX Guru. I'm Eric McCroskey, your host, and today I'm very pleased and excited to have Dr. Madison Hanscom with us. Dr. Madison comes to us with a PhD in IO psychology, is also a chief science officer with Propolo Consulting, and she's coming to talk to us about a really relevant topic in today's COVID context, which is really about how do you make remote work work in this new context that we're operating in, and particularly as it pertains to delivering great experiences for uh, customers. So, Madison, really happy to have you with me uh, here on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Eric. Great to have you. And and I uh, want to talk to you first a little bit about who you are. Maybe if you can share a little bit about uh, your background in IO psychology, what got you so passionate about um, the people, leadership, and the context of work? Yeah, sure thing. So, um, yeah, and you mentioned IO psychology. Uh, so IO stands for Industrial and Organizational Psychology. And in our field, we apply the science of psychology to the workplace. So we are all about smarter workplaces. And I love IO because we're all about the evidence. Um, we're applied researchers and we work with companies and with employees to maximize human capital. So it's all about making work better for everyone. And that's what I'm really passionate about. We spend more hours a week working than doing basically anything else. So I think it's really <laughs> important to study it and to improve it. That is awesome. So speaking of improving work, uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about flexible work arrangements and, and leadership. Uh, and more people uh, than ever are now working from home, um, which is really why I wanted to bring this topic to light today on the show. Uh, and I can imagine there are good ways and bad ways to do this. Um, and, and particularly as it pertains to delivering great customer experiences. What are some of your thoughts around this? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, as you mentioned, um, flexible work, leadership, this, uh, you know, the interaction of these two things are really important, um, primarily because leadership is connected to everything. It's related to job performance. Um, it's related to how engaged your employees are. It's related to how committed your people are um, to their work. So as you can imagine, it can really make or break a company. But notably, when leadership is great, employees are happier. And that's better for the reputation of the company. It's better for the brand of the company. And none of this is lost on the customers. So true, so true. Uh, all, all the research in this space has always pointed to this, even from the early days, there was some some research from Gallup around kind of the link between it. That is that is familiar. Uh, fabulous. Uh, so I, I know you're familiar with a lot of the research on telework, flexible work arrangements. 
what are some of the important leader lessons uh, that people should keep in mind when they're starting to move to more virtual teams or even blended workforce um, uh, in this context that we're operating in? Yeah, uh, there's a lot of factors to consider here. Um, we could be talking about this all day, but for the sake of time, I, I would probably highlight three things. I would highlight trust, um, communication, and recognition. I love that the simplicity of those answers. Tell me a little bit more about trust. Um, it, it really reminds me a little bit about uh, one of my early experiences with remote work. I was uh, in a very large enterprise and we were starting to play a little bit with the concepts of remote work, about blended work. Um, and, and one of my colleagues, he, he couldn't get around the concept of trust for his employees. He thought that the only way would get trust is by looking at them day in and day out. And if they were at their desk, they must be doing something useful. And if they weren't, they probably weren't. Um, so what he wanted to do when, when we were starting is he wanted to create an environment where every morning he'd have a roll call, where everybody would have to go on a video call to prove that they had started work. And he eventually had to challenge him because he was saying, what everything he was saying, I, I told him, uh, you know, you, you, you could literally show up wake up, put a suit over your PJs, show up in front of the webcam, then go right back to bed, and, and you wouldn't know the difference. You have to build trust. So tell me a little bit more about trust and what it means from a, from a research standpoint. Yeah, so that's a great example of how leaders really do have to trust employees and really focus more on the output than the input. So research shows that flex work arrangements are gonna be much more successful when we judge employees on the outcomes or you know what they're actually achieving and not necessarily on the amount of time they spend sitting at their desk. Uh, people don't wanna feel like they're being micromanaged. Uh, so <laughs> it's a good idea to manage the work and not necessarily the worker. And something else helpful to think about here is really to clearly define the performance expectations so people know how and what to deliver. So when you are focusing on the output more than the input, you know, to let them know what are we looking for? What, um, what is this gonna look like now? So there's certain jobs where this is really cut and dry. So, you know, if you're in a job where you're making calls, you know, it's, it's really easy to say, oh, I've made this many calls today, this many successful calls. But there's others where, you know, there might be more creative outputs where you have to kind of rethink, um, you know, what's, what is that deliverable that somebody's making and start approaching it that way because there's, there's no way you're going to be able to breathe down somebody's neck uh, while they're at home eight hours a day. <laughs> and and I think... A day. And some people have tried, and I definitely agree with what you're saying. At the end of the day, all that matters to business is really the outcome um, of the work that's being done. All that matters for customers is the outcome that you've achieved. Yet we've somehow engineered ourselves in the work environment to try to micromanage details that are more about effort. Uh, and we think that punching in the clock at certain times and out at certain times make makes a difference. But at the end of the day, I love what you're saying. I would even push to say that applies even in non-remote work, uh, but it's more critical in a, in a remote environment. Uh, so we talked a little bit about leaders trusting employees. It also seems important that a leader helps to build that trust about the team members. Can you maybe tell me a little bit more about your perspective on this? Oh, yeah, that's right. So. There's a lot of research out there showing that interpersonal trust is really important for virtual success um, as well, or virtual work success as well. And there's things that leaders can do to help build that trust, you know, within the members and their team. 
And in a team with teleworkers, there's more psychological distance because of that physical distance. And so you really do have to kind of make efforts to build that trust because it helps to form that glue that holds the team together um, to build that success there. So one thing leaders can do is to help create opportunities for people to get to know each other on a personal level. So this is especially important for teams who have a lot of ground to cover. So new, you know, when you have new members or a newer team, something like that. So some companies uh, have found success with making a virtual water cooler. So it might be a message board where people can throw up pictures of uh, their new puppy or their kid who's graduating or, you know, post memes and jokes and things like that. And, um, you know, another thing to consider, which can be pretty difficult in some circumstances is to think about if you are working remotely a lot, when can you actually bring people together in real life? So when can you have on-site meetings when possible? Because that helps people to form bonds more quickly. So um, it doesn't have to be often, but if you could ever make that happen, that's just something to consider and something else that people have been doing. Or um, of course, um, we're really familiar with these now because of COVID, but the virtual mm -hmm. happy hours. Well, also, I've, I've been hearing about people doing virtual birthday parties, so they'll, um, you know, call a birthday cake to somebody's house and then everybody hops on Zoom, you know, maybe their whole team hops on Zoom or something. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, so I've, I've been hearing about things like that. And something else um, that can help to form trust in a team is to come up with a remote team agreement as a group. So, yeah, so trust can be eroded when a teammate does not live up to the expectations that the group has for them. So what these agreements do is on paper, they spell out these agreed upon norms, you know, expectations, requirements, basically, you know, what it takes to be a great team member. And mm -hmm. everybody will everybody will kind of buy in if the whole team builds this agreement together. Because of course the team has the best ideas of what the performance, you know, needs to look like, things like that. And maybe there's somebody who just didn't really understand the expectations. It'll just you know, people will be able to trust each other more when they know what those expectations are. I, I love that idea. I've never, I've never done anything of that nature. I've, I've worked with with virtual teams for a very long time, um, and this is something I'd never tried. I think it's a great idea. I might want to to try that out in the near term. Um, I, I, I definitely think there's there's a lot of opportunities in terms of building trust, and I, I have actually seen in my past the trust being eroded where somebody's actually abusing it. Uh, and, and I think it's just something you've got to accept that it could happen. There are some people that may have uh, nefarious intents, but the same could actually happen in a physical environment. You might just catch it sooner. Uh, I want to talk, as I talk about kind of the negative side of, of, of that piece, uh, what about fairness perceptions among employees? Um, you talked a little bit about um, some of the elements of, of trust, but what about fairness? Yeah, so fairness is really huge um, when building trust, or is an important thing to think about. Um, so flex work has a lot of potential to create kind of in-groups and out-groups. So, you know, you might be a remote worker looking at the resident workers. You might be a resident worker looking at a teleworker. And, you know, people, people compare themselves to other groups. That's just something that we do naturally. And it's really important to give lots of thought to justice perceptions. Um, you know, as a leader, even though decisions might be made among leadership that make a lot of sense, like which employees need to work on site as residents, you know, which employees can be flexible between home and work, employees don't know that. And if they perceive inequity, they're not going to be happy. So 
be sure that, you know, any criteria that were used to make these types of decisions are really clear and that they're shared um, when it comes to telework because feelings of injustice quickly erode that trust between leaders and employees and also throughout employee groups as well. Like I was saying with those in groups, out groups, things like that, it just creates tension between people. So being transparent is a really good move here. A really important point, as, as some of you might have followed uh, in the news recently, there was there was one very large employer uh, in California that basically said that people will be allowed to remote work if they're high performers and otherwise will have to come to the office if they're low performers. And I've seen similar policies happen in the past. The problem is you're now really singling out who's perceived as 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 not a high performer, which in most workplaces, that's not public domain information. Um, so, so that can, if fairness doesn't appear to be there, I could see that becoming a huge issue. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so the second one you talked a little bit about was around communication. Um, so you mentioned that was an important area of focus. Could you tell me a little bit more about uh, how to do that in this virtual setting? Yeah, so this this seems like an obvious one, but it's it's a really important one. The leader of any team with virtual members has this really big responsibility when it comes to building great communication, even more than a leader with all resident team members. So, of course, in a normal team where everyone's in the office, informal communication is happening all the time, right? It might be happening over lunch, people stopping by offices, there's impromptu meetings, but in flex teams, these opportunities don't really pop up as much. And these face-to-face -face communication opportunities go a really long way. Um, they build camaraderie. Um, they're good times to ask questions or go over steps and, you know, things like that. So remote leaders have that responsibility to keep people from getting isolated in that professional sense and also in a personal sense. So, so two things I would recommend here are focusing on psychological safety and building a communication schedule. So psychological safety is really good for ensuring that people can freely flow communication and have that kind of collegial atmosphere and not feel afraid to speak up, not feel afraid to ask questions, feel like they're not getting judged for it. Um, things need to function in more of a flat way when working remotely because it'll help to break through barriers that prevent progress, you know, just in everyday work, just getting, getting things done. So teammates need to feel comfortable picking up the phone or shooting a quick text message to anyone on their team or anyone supervising them. And that'll kind of stimulate the ability for people to pop in the office, which you can't really do in that a remote setting. Um, and the, the other thing I mentioned is a communication schedule. So there are tons of moving parts in a virtual team that leaders have to balance. You know, there's time zones, there's instant messages, there's calls, video calls, there's Zoom fatigue, and you know, there's all these different things to consider. So setting a schedule helps to strike that balance and make sure that everyone is getting the attention they need. So make sure that you're having huddle calls for the whole team, maybe maybe smaller project calls for segmented work, and also one-on-ones with subordinates to talk about individual things that might come up about work projects, but also individual development, goal setting, all those important things. And I know what you're thinking. Um, these micro meetings, these one-on-ones, they add up and they do. They, they, can, they can take a lot of time from your schedule, but they can be short. And they are a really important um, tool. They go a really long way. 
they're, they're effective at helping people feel connected to leadership, connected to the company, and that'll, that'll just be an important way to sustain commitment in that flex work model or flex work model. Um, you know, it, it reminds people that they matter. And I mean, I don't know about you, Eric, but like, if I don't write something down, I won't remember to do it. So that's why communication schedules work really well. <laughs> That's, a, that's an excellent point. And, and uh, just the, the communication, there's, I remember this conversation uh, I had with somebody not so long ago, and they, they said, can you actually do too much communication in a virtual setting? Is there such a thing as overdoing it? Obviously, we, we've heard the term Zoom fatigue. Um, so, so video calls can, can take a lot more energy from people. But is there such a thing as communicating too much if you're channeling it through different modes at different times? Or generally speaking, more is better? I think more is better. I think that that's such a fear that people have when they go remote. They think they're going to be isolated. They think they're going to be out of loop, out of sight, out of mind. And I think the more we communicate, um, the better we're going to be. Of course, I'm glad that you did put that caveat in there about Zoom fatigue because you don't want to overbook meetings because whether you're in the office or working remotely, meetings can sometimes be a very unnecessary time suck. But you're right. If you're really focusing on the right um, form of communication, you're striking that balance, um, communication. I just, I don't think you can kill it. You can't, yeah. Interesting. Uh, so your last point was around recognition. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So it can be way too easy to forget about recognition in the flex work model. Um, there's a lot of new logistics you're thinking about and it can just slip through the cracks, but recognition is so motivating for people. And a pat on the back goes a really long way. And I love recognition because um, it's a great tool for shaping company culture. Because when you recognize somebody's good behavior, you're killing two birds with one stone. First, of course, you're signaling to the individual that what they're doing is great, that they should keep doing it. And second, you're showing others what they should start doing in the future or to continue doing as well. So it's this really cool kind of reinforcement tool. And are there ways that you would recommend that that you recognize people in this virtual setting? Uh, any any tips that you would give leaders in that space? Yeah, I think I think it will depend a little bit on the structure of things and how big different team segments are. But I really love public recognition. Um, so in the sense, so if your team is completely remote during all like during an all hands or like a team video meeting, you might have a quick kudos moment to recognize someone and it doesn't have to be elaborate. It just might be something that you slip into a meeting and uh, yeah, also, I would come together with other leaders to think about what should be recognized and give some good examples of what that might look like. So you can start keeping an eye out for it. And I can guarantee there's people who are going above and beyond um, who are not getting a pat on the back for it. So, you know, why not start giving it to them and start spreading some recognition around and it just helps to show people what to do. And I think linked to what you were talking about before in terms of focusing on outcomes versus effort. Um, this is also an opportunity to reinforce that that balance in terms of more more looking at the at the outcome base of work that that's happening. Oh, that's a great point, yeah. Uh, so any last thoughts as we, as we close off? Anything else you'd like to add? Any other ideas that you'd like to share uh, with listeners? I think that I would leave with making sure leaders are thinking about boundary management, um, so like work-life balance kind of stuff. And 
when I say this, I mean for both you and your employees. Um, everybody needs time to recharge, uh, leaders too. And this is good for all those things, um, engagement, motivation, productivity. And um, like we talked about earlier, happy employees mean happy customers. So I'll just give some thought to the norms that you set as a leader based on your behavior. So if that email that you're about to send on Sunday can wait in your inbox until Monday morning, it just shows your employees that you value recovery time on the weekend, or um, you can send all the emails you want during non-traditional hours, but let your team know. Let them know that's just your thing and they don't have to feel pressure to respond immediately if it's a night or a weekend or sometime out of their normal working hours. You know, maybe tell them you like to work these hours because sometimes during the workday, you know, you have to take your kid to the doctor or maybe you're a night owl or something like that. And, you know, it's when people are working from home, it can be hard for some employees to turn off or unplug. So simple gestures like that, um, they just can help people with boundary management and avoid burning out. I think you bring a very good point there as well. Um, the, the element of flexibility of, of being able to demonstrate and take time when you need to. It may not be possible in all settings, like in a call to contact center environment, that may be more challenging, but the, the, the flexibility of being able to take the time when you need to, um, I think also goes a very long way when, when you're dealing with flexible work arrangement. I like to think of it as, as there's flexibility in terms of uh, the, the location of where you're performing the work, but I also ideally flexibility in, term, in terms of when you perform the work. Um, so, so both time and space uh, differences in that. I think that's a big reason why this model is working well for a lot of people and you know the numbers are showing lower stress is because you're able to just balance those aspects of your life better if you need to you know go go and take an hour lunch to do an important life errand or something like that so it really can work out for people and yeah again yeah happy happy employees you'll have happier customers so it all works out I think those are some phenomenal points to, to share. I think in this context that we're in of, of exiting and starting to think about how do you exit from a, a post-COVID world, this becomes uh, a very critical piece to, to start thinking about. Many people were forced to, to move to a virtual environment. A lot of people were very successful at doing this before. Uh, some settings have, have been doing this for, for probably a decade or more. Uh, a lot of contact centers have explored this. But I think when it comes to customer experience, customer interactions, it really relies on people to people interactions, human to human interactions. And what you talked about in terms of having a great work environment where people want to do more, that makes a huge difference. The customer feels it versus if you're being forced to go back to an office environment, you don't feel safe, you're not enjoying it, you're not going to deliver great experiences. So I would definitely encourage people to start thinking about the boundaries uh, of where work can be done. Um, in terms of the flexibility between what you were describing, really in terms of what I would call blended and, and what is purely working remotely, both models can work uh, and, and really to start pushing the boundaries of what's doable and achievable and experimenting with it. Uh, and I think your tips were amazing. Thank you very much for, for coming onto the show. And I uh, hope to be able to have you again once, uh, once again in the near future to explore some other topics anchored inside. So thank you so much, Madison. Thanks for having me. Like what we do? Share this on your socials and tell everyone. Thank you for listening to the CX Guru on C-Suite Radio. Increase the value you create. Grow your brand. Drive your success. Distinguish yourself from the pack. Come back in two weeks for the next episode. Or listen to our sister show, The Ops Guru, with Eric McCroskey. Fuel your future.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.